2: This is our fifth season. We're Honey. back.
1: Oh my gosh, we've made it. Five years. What's the five-year anniversary? Isn't it like diamonds or something? Shouldn't we be know. getting some rubies? <laughs> We're getting nothing. Or emeralds or nothing. something? Nothing. <laughs> so wait, we ended in the spring. We took the yes. summer to yes. regroup and get busy. And you've been really busy. So have you. Yeah. Each
2: time I look on Facebook, you're here, there, and everywhere with CNN. Traveling, yeah. <laughs> so
1: I did take a vacation this summer. I um, hiked the Grand Tetons. <laughs> Yes, I did myself. I mean, with two people, with my brother and my best friend, and I made it. I'm alive. Well done. It's really cool, though. I got to tell you, the most. Ugh. I mean, I look at me. Like I'm, not, I'm built like Marilyn Monroe or Drug Years. I am not a hiker, and so for me to get up a hill is kind of a. But um, I'll tell you, it was fantastic. There, the first day, we were, I was so tired. My feet hurt so badly. We probably hiked. I think they said we were like 12 miles or nine miles, or something, but we went like 600 feet up because the second day was like nine and a half miles, but we went like almost 2,000 feet up. I mean, just it's a lot. But after the first day, I remember I was like, oh my God, that was great. Yeah, I'm a little sore. I took a shower. i laid down on my bed for 10 minutes and I'm like, someone get me up. I mean, I'm really hungry. Maybe I should just have dinner in bed. Like I could not move my whole body seized. And I thought, Oh, I can't hike the next day. But boom, you pop right back. And it's good. How many days did you do it? Um, we hiked for four days. And that was enough for me. I was like, <laughs> by day three, I'm like, if my ass doesn't look like Elle McPherson, I am quitting. Um, it was good. It was very good, though. I yeah. Uh, it was fun. Have you ever done that? Have it, it's just I've, to, I've hiked,
2: but I haven't done it. I mean, that's an area that I'd really love to go to.
1: Oh, my God. It's beautiful. I mean, the animals we saw, um, pika, which are these little things that look like a cross between a chipmunk and a bunny, and they make these little squeaking sounds. And these marmots, they're these, like, big, furry, they almost look like furry, I don't even know what they're, they're like, almost like hedgehogs, almost. They're really cool. And, um, of course, we saw deer. We saw um, elk. We saw moose. And um, when we were there, they give you these little pamphlets. Every They give everybody as you check in. We stay in these cabins, and it's like, be bear aware. And I'm like, right, be bear aware. Okay. So when the first day or second day we were there, they're like, there's a grizzly down there. I was like, a grizzly? They're like, do you have bear spray? I'm like, what do you mean do I have bear spray? I'm like, yeah. They're like, no, do you have bear spray? And I'm like, that's a real thing? Like they told us, you know, make sure you get your bear spray. We're like, ha, 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 bear spray. Psst. Like, it's a real thing. We didn't have it. It, it is why you spray it. <clears throat> yeah, it's like mace, the but it's bear. like... Mace for bears. You know what I mean? Like imagine mace for a human being, and then mace for a. Oh my god! Bear. But
2: then if you spray that, and then that comes back in your face, you're going down. Well, yeah, but I'd rather go down for a mace than a bear. <laughs> I'm just saying, like let's
1: just you can come back. It. But it was amazing that it was a mama grizzly with a baby, so it was a little disconcerting. But she was probably about, I think, 75 yards away, like about a football field away. But you know they can move pretty fast. And baby was out in the woods, so we weren't that worried because he was hidden um it was really cool to see the next day when we go we were starting you know everyone's standing looking up and we're like what are you looking at and they're like look there's cubs hanging from the tree first of all cubs hanging they're sleeping Whoa. how do they sleep hanging i mean you should see them like dangling and i said how do, you, how do you how do they not fall and the park ranger goes oh they fall i guess apparently they fall a lot <gasps> because they're babies and they're hanging mm-hmm. and they're sleeping oh. but um uh, i guess they had to walk us then down on the head of the, on the trailhead Because Mama Bear was foraging, and she put the babies up to sleep, and she went to eat, but she was close by. And I guess some woman was, you know, they didn't know. And she came out, and she was like, whoa, and the bear was there. And Mama Bear, they do that charging at you to warn you. Mm -hmm. And she's like, I'm good. Mm -hmm. It's your space. So when Mama went away, they had to close the trail for a little bit. And then when Mama was a good distance away, but they had to walk us because they didn't know where she was. So first of all, I learned that you can pop back, but after four days, you're done, and there is such a thing as bear spray, and you should get it. But it was really nice.
2: I learned a lot from you, Holly. It was great.
1: God. It was beautiful, it was just beautiful. I'm ready to do it again. I want to do a Moab. Anybody? Anyone? I'm coming. Moab. Okay, I'd you like got to do it in the spring and the fall because it's too hot, and then it gets too cold. But um, in the summer. But I, let's do it.
2: Okay. Okay. Right. And what
1: about you? Talking about world traveling and hiking and oh, walking and.
2: Gosh. Well, yeah, I've been everywhere, and uh, but literally actually, everywhere. I really have been everywhere, but I, I did. I've been filming a new show in England. Yeah. And it's just wonderful, and it's going to be airing it's spring of 2016 in the UK. Okay. I'm hoping that there will be some distribution. I mean, it'd be great if they showed it over here. It's an incredible
1: incredible series well you know there are ways to get shows i'm just saying a
2: well, I don't know. We'll see, but it's gotta I think come here. I, I think it should I think it should because or we'll just I'm to the just UK. I'm part of a team. It's not my show, but I'm part of a team and it, and it's probably you know, I have worked with a lot of great crews, a lot of great people, a lot of great shows including my own, but I think this has to be one of the best crews that I've ever worked with and some of the the best dog people I've ever worked with too. And the producers of this show, Oxford Scientific Films, um have been nothing short of fantastic and fabulous. So I really, I've had a great time. Uh, can you talk to, about what it's about? Mm, Not yet? Okay. All I'd say is it's it's it's, it's going to focus a lot on the intelligence of dogs, but I Ooh. don't want to go any further. Okay. Because I, I don't want to spoil it. Okay, good. But um, definitely, if you're in the UK, keep an ear out. And also you can, I mean, I will be social media-ing it to hell when it comes out so that uh, if you follow me on social media you'll be able to see it now where'd you travel it for it? you were all over well yeah we were all around Britain but mm-hmm. then um, I did go and do a a, a great seminar a great um, live show in Finland as well How and then that? I traveled to Greece which we can talk about next week because that's a whole different deal uh-huh.
1: How's Um, Finland? I've only been once.
2: It's beautiful. The people are beautiful. Finland itself, the country is beautiful. Of course, I went there when it was
1: gorgeous weather. When it was all light too, right? What time of year? Yes.
2: It's it's June, July is when it's light. Um, We went to, so it probably got dark at around 10, 11 o'clock. But I have been there before. It's my second time and I have been Mm -hmm. there before when it's actually pretty much light until between three and four o'clock in the morning it's a little bit dusky but you're out at midnight and it's like it's five o'clock in the afternoon with the sun shining it is with your head. so bizarre <laughs> and that's why everybody has blackouts on their curtains oh, yeah, so yeah. that you don't have that sort of weird kind of body experience where you don't uh, sleeping during right. the day it's, it's very odd and then but what i've just come back from now is the arson dog research at oh. baton rouge so talk about that. What okay. Is that? Well, you know my show Arson Dogs. We've actually um, we had it on Facebook recent recently mm-hmm. where we filmed eight handlers meeting their um, their dogs for the first time, going through a four week training course to become canine arson, dogs. arson yeah. Dog Handlers. Working and dogs. these these are fire marshals from all over the country and they come they apply and then they come to this, uh, central place in Maine where they're trained and they, 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 they meet with their dogs, they're paired with their dogs. And then if they pass certification, then they go off and they, um, handle lots of different cases all around the country. It's an, it's an amazing program funded by State Farm and, um, which is run by Heather Paul. And she's been on the show before. Mm-hmm. She's told us a lot about it. But every year, if you're a canine handler, you have to become recertified. So it's not just your oh, no. handling is going to be looked at, but the uh, ability of your dog. Can your dog still do the job that it's asked of? So this recertification, there were 40, Uh, canine and human um, teams coming to Baton Rouge to recertify it's like a this conference. program. It's like a conference with a lot of drinking in the evening. <laughs> yeah. Out of the same bowl. Oh, yeah, maybe. I don't know. I think by the end, I went to bed early, but I think by the end that that probably was happening. Yeah. <laughs> Goodness me. Is but. it all
1: kinds of dogs too? Like anything from a German Shepherd to a Lab? No,
2: to a... mostly Labradors. Mm-hmm. And what I love about it is that these Labradors haven't been specifically bred for it. They're the, they're the reject. From, oh. from you know maybe dogs that have been assistance dogs and just haven't right. made the grade, or you know they've been dogs for the blind and they they're a little bit too nose driven, and or or some dogs have been surrendered to shelters because they're in quotes hyperactive. Mm-hmm. No, you give these dogs they need a job, and so these nose driven dogs are trained, pre trained, then they're matched with their handlers. And then they go out in the world and they solve crimes. It's incredible. So I went down there, filmed that research, uh, met a lot more great handlers, and have such respect for, for these men and women for what they do. That's amazing.
1: And can you imagine meeting your dog for the first time? It's kind of
2: like an arranged marriage. Well, it is. But Paul Gallagher, who runs the, who runs the program, is the head tra- trainer there and he's been doing it for 30 years. He... Um, it takes a lot for him to match a specific dog with a specific person. Mm-hmm. But I think he does a really good job in pairing them. And, you know, so, so these handers are getting dogs when they're about, these dogs are about 18 months old, sometimes a little older. And, um, that's it. It's a relationship for life. And so it, it is. And what I like about it is it's really centered on positive. I love it. Is it, do they get to,
1: do they like do questionnaires and they do personality things so they know like, yes. can the dog say, I want someone who can cook chicken well? Well, or... maybe.
2: I yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think, yeah. But I, I think Paul, he he does, he does pretty well. And I, I think it's a really hard job for him to do. Mm-hmm. But these, these dogs are just so happy. They're great. so happy. They're like, and... we were the
1: rejects. It's kind of yes. like, I think of the Bad News Bears. Do you remember that? <laughs> like...
2: Yes, I do. And you, and you know, a lot. Some people say, or not a lot of people, but some people say, "Oh, dogs shouldn't be working like that. You shouldn't put them in harm's way. You shouldn't, you shouldn't, um, have police dogs." But not or really arson in harm's dogs. way an arson dogs. with arson dogs, uh, you know, after a fire scene, the fire marshal will go through the scene. And to make sure that there's nothing that can hurt the dog in the scene, and then they take the dog in. So every every effort is made to make sure that the dog is safe. The detective dog. It really is, and uh, and but you know arson cases, the sort of prosecutions go up to about forty to fifty percent when an arson dog is used from about ten percent. It's a huge deal, and so that's why they they kind of with noses they bust. Arson awesome dogs are an arsonist's worst nightmare, and it's true, because these dogs can do in 30 minutes what it might take a human of two days to do, wow. or a machine. Yeah. That's amazing. It is. And
1: we can watch this again, right? You so can. You, Where can we
2: see it? You Cause... can go on my YouTube channel, mm-hmm. um, and if you go on youtube.com forward slash Victoria Stilwell, you can see my arson awesome dog um, show on there. It's really cool.
1: Uh, I I I love it. I love it. That's great. Um, And, you know, we were talking about working dogs. There's um, a lot of working dogs. You know, you've been working with police dogs. You've been working with the canine unit. Um, You know, there's been a lot in the news this summer about, you know, what's going on. I mean, we know obviously people and police, but what we have been starting to hear about is police and dogs. Um, Oftentimes, you know, things happen. Police are you know, working hard in many cases, and they're sent to places they're not familiar with, and then they see a dog, and they're not sure, and they don't, you know, is this friendly, is it not, and sometimes the dog gets hurt or killed, and uh, it's it's so sad, they
2: just don't know any better, they're not trained. They're not, and I've been with this canine unit for two years so I, I i've been on a lot of their calls so i see the threat that officers are under not just from people but from their animals as well mm-hmm. but also there are officers out there that are too quick to discharge their weapons and um that's unfortunately what's been happening there are some officers that are just really frightened for their lives mm-hmm. whether that's justified or not but this film that um is coming out is a film that I've also been taking part in this year, and it's called Of Dogs and Men.
1: Oh, so you, yeah, so you actually were a part of yes. this sort of let's look at what's happening Absolutely. and what's
2: going on. Absolutely, and um, two wonderful filmmakers have got together to address this issue, to investigate this issue, and to see what they can do to. To, to address it and to make it better, and to and it's all about education as well. So um, I've got uh, we've got our guest Patrick Reasonover is going to be coming Great. on, um, and we can we can talk to him about the film, the producer of the film. Absolutely, uh, let's yeah. get him on the phone. I, I'm curious to find out. <laughs>
0: The Positively Hotline is ringing.
1: We don't know what we're going to do. We have no plan. We're just here. Who's calling, calling in this, this week? He went after her like she's made out of ham.
2: That is interesting. That's exciting. Um,
1: is somebody going to answer
0: that?
2: Hello? Hotline ringing. You're on your phone, and I don't think you're taking any of this seriously. In the phone! Ladies and gentlemen, let's go! He- Patrick, I'm so glad you could join us. Welcome.
0: Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to, to be here with you.
2: I'm, um, of course, I've been involved with the film for quite a while, and I've seen it, and I am, uh, I'm so impressed by what you've done. I think you've created something that is that tells a very important story um, from both sides, really, and um, and all, but also gives solutions on what people can do to stop the situation from happening again, and. Uh, just to let you know that um, I think s- police departments in different parts of the country are already showing the trailer to their various um, officers to say, you know, this is something that you have to watch when it comes out. Tell us, tell us why you wanted to make a documentary about this story. What drew you to it and your experiences along the way?
0: Sure. Well, the first thing that we were looking for in a documentary subject is something that could be a positive good in the world or help produce a positive good. There's certainly a lot of great documentaries out there and um, a lot of, uh, a lot of great content, but often it, it'll be a great story. And then that's the end of it. And so what we really wanted to do was tell a story that could move people to action and how we wound up with uh, on this particular subject is we, you know, Oz, my, my director and myself, we, we both have dogs and, we saw these videos on YouTube of police shooting people's dogs and then the police reaction was, you know, Oh, I was in fear of my life, even though that that might seem unreasonable depending on the size of the dog, the the response was kind of always the same. And so we saw kind of an opportunity with the documentary to have, uh, the the two sides, uh, talk to each other because we would watch the videos and there'd be tons and tons of views uh, on these videos where, you know, police officers would shoot a dog, and the comments are always very negative to the police, of, of course. And um, and then it seemed like the police were not then coming out and saying they were sorry or it was a mistake, but rather were just sort of saying we, we just had to do this. And then that created this adversarial situation where people are really upset and the police are not being responsive. And so what we thought is by doing this documentary, we could create dialogue. Between the between the two of them, you know, where police officers would understand the emotional experience and consequences when they use power in such a way that, you know, kills dogs or or harms people that, you know, to see the emotional impact that that, you know, that that causes. And then on the side of of people out there who would watch these videos or hear about these things and then be really upset at the police, we wanted you know to kind of let people know that. You know, police have a very dangerous job, and it's very challenging. And they're often walking it, you know, up to people's homes who they don't know, and uh, you know, and 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 they they have a very difficult job to do. And so we kind of wanted to just basically create a conversation, and then hopefully through that conversation and, and and cover you know, in coverage of some of the people who who have had things, who ha- who who lost their dog. Or who are on the police side and they see something that they, they, they don't like the police doing and they want to make a change. And we wanted to kind of just, you know, tell, tell both sides of the story and then highlight what a lot of these great heroes are doing out there to, to change things and hopefully galvanize people who will see the film to get involved as well.
2: I thought what was fascinating is that we're not just talking, you know, everyone thinks, oh, it might be the big fierce pit bull that comes and runs out. But we're, we're talking about um, chocolate Labradors and chihuahuas. There and- was a
1: Jack Russell in Atlanta that was shot for you yes. know a tiny dog
2: and um and hey you know i i love i love pit bulls so i'm not i'm not focusing on them but i'm just saying that's what people's perception is it but most of these these are just you you know lovely family dogs and uh, pits and pit mixes and labradors and uh, you know all kinds of dogs and all kinds of breeds um The the other thing that attracted me to this film is because I have been working with law enforcement for two years now on another project. And so I, I think I have that rare experience as a civilian that I've now experienced what it's like to go out on numerous calls with them. And I myself have experienced and seen dogs being set on the police on purpose mm-hmm. and uh or we're doing a track at night we're tracking somebody who has um has run and uh, like a, a robbery and then has run from the robbery and we're tracking that person and it's in the middle of the night and then as we're tracking with the dog dogs come out of one house and um you know try and bark at not just the just us but the canine as well um, and so you know I've seen that situation so that's what drew me to the film. Also some of my guys are um, Sergeant Paul Corso and Deputy Sheriff Jason Cotton. Uh, you you interviewed for the film as well and I think they give you a great perspective. I mean they're canine they know a lot about dogs, but they also give a, that great perspective from from the police officer side.
0: Absolutely and, uh, and to give you a sense of what we found. The, the, <clears throat> we have a quote in the film, the just, U.S. Department of Justice estimates that 10,000 dogs are shot in the U.S. annually by law enforcement. And when you um, when you look at some instances like, say, in Colorado, uh, the majority of the dogs being shot are not drug dealer or gang dogs that are, like, trained to attack and they're pit bulls. Often it's just, you know, beat cops. Out doing their everyday jobs, and the dogs are not necessarily, um, you know, of the of the, you know, more aggressive breed type. You know, it, it kind of is all of them. And and I think really the the reason there uh, is that that we see that we see that kind of across the board all dogs is that basically police officers are simply not trained to to deal with dogs. Largely, they they get training on terrorism and all kinds of training, but. They're not trained on how to deal with dogs, which is something that they're seeing every day. And, um, and you know, and some police officers, like some people are afraid of dogs and they, you know, that's just their gut instinct. And uh, Paul and Jason, um, who, who are in the, in our film, uh, they spoke to that absolutely, you know, to just sort of say that, you know, listen, just as you can be afraid of of a, of a dog or, you know, you have your own personal fear. A police officer is a regular person, you know, just like you. And so they, um, th- they may be coming into a situation and, you know, they have to think fast, make a split second decision. And the only way that they can do that is by having training that then prepares them for that situation. Otherwise, chances are they might pull out their gun and shoot the dog. And, uh, and I don't think any police officer um you know relishes that experience at all anyway it's not like they want to go out and shoot a dog when we spoke to police officers they said every time they pulled their gun and shot it it was a traumatic experience for them because they know that they have a big responsibility and firing a gun you know places you know it creates danger because they're shooting a bullet and so um so really what what we hope that can come from the film is that people will kinda of demand change and, and police officers will will get training so that they're not put in a bad situation so that they make they, they, they make a mistake or or they make a split second decision and it's the wrong one and someone loses their Their dog or or some other other consequence. We're putting them in a position to succeed and do better at their jobs and do what they want to do, which is help people.
1: And Patrick, let me ask you, I mean, we talk about police officers getting training and that's important, but what about dog owners? I mean, you know, what can they do also to, to prevent something like this from happening? Because not every police force is going to be able to afford to do this or maybe do this right away. Is there anything that you've learned in the course of doing this film that you can pass on to people who have dogs to prevent something like this from happening, or is it just inevitable? If it's going to happen, it's going to happen.
0: Yeah. Well, I don't think it's inevitable. I think the, uh, well, the one reality is of the stories that we covered, I don't know that if they had been listening to this podcast or or watched our film, that somehow they could have done something different, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, other than just to sort of say, you know, just get between themselves and the dog, uh, you know, because those, that's just the nature of, how those things went down. But, um, but yeah, you know, I would just say, you know, if the police officer is at your door, you know, put your dog away, you know, like in the, in the, uh, in the bathroom or something, you know, so they're not running out at the door or running down the steps or something of that nature. I mean, I know that's probably not what somebody wants to hear because it's my dog and it's his yard and his, you know, or her, or her steps. And if they want to be out there, then that's, that's fine. The cops should respect that. But at the same time, you know, you have to understand that police officers are often going into situations where they don't know who is in the house or what is in the house. They may be at a wrong house, as they are in many instances in our film. And so they're not expecting it to be you and your dog, and they don't know your dog. So I just think that, um, you know, it's, it's a good policy, you know, as an owner to have your dog under control. And if someone's at the door, a police officer or anyone, then, you know, you put the dog away or or at least the dog gets trained so it doesn't run at the person or um, or kind of have, like, you know, it maybe the dog perceives someone in uniform. You know, that's happened with my dog when he's in the back seat. I get pulled over, you know, for a speeding ticket on one occasion. And I think just because, you know, I was kind of nervous, you know, just because I just, you know, right. I was pulled over, and there's a police officer, and there's someone in a uniform, my golden retriever all of a sudden started growling. He never growls at anyone. Mm. And so I think just the reality is that, the dogs kind of feed off your energy, and if you know so something uh, a some police officer's at your door and you're not expecting them, you you could kind of be nervous, and then maybe your dog is keying on that and, and reacting in a way that's that's not good. So I would just say the biggest thing is you, know, you should have your dog under control, and if it's a police officer, probably just put them in another room and shut the door.
1: And I think a big thing is for everyone to see the film so that they have the knowledge of what they need to do and to see it from the police perspective and sort of, you know, get that word out, spread that word so it doesn't happen.
2: And you've just had a very successful um, premiere in Austin for the Austin Film Festival. Congratulations. Um, Where if the general public want to see this film, where will they be able to see it? Do you have a timeline or is it still up in the air or just watch this space?
0: Well, I recommend that you check out our website of dogsandmen.net. The trailer is on there. You can also sign up for updates and we will be announcing when the documentary will be available worldwide for everyone to purchase and check out and view, uh, very soon. So if you can check out, if you head to our webpage of dogsandmen.net and sign up for updates or just check it out, over the course of the next couple of weeks, we'll have an announcement on there for how you can see the film.
2: Awesome. And um, uh, just before you go, Patrick, I think it's important because obviously a lot of dog lovers listen to this podcast. And, yeah, some of it's hard to, to watch, but I truly believe, as, as you mm-hmm. know, I said, the quote for the film is that every person who has a dog needs to watch this film. Because it could be the difference between life and death for your dog. And I, I know that might sound dramatic. But um, this is happening, as you said, thousands and thousands of times in a year. And it's, it's got to stop. So, yeah, it's a hard subject. It can be tough to watch. But I think after you've seen it, you will you know knowledge is power on both sides civilians as well as law enforcement need to watch this film patrick thank you so much for joining us we really appreciate it best of luck and i'm very honored to be part of your film as well thanks patrick good to talk to you
0: thanks y'all i really appreciate you having me on and uh victoria absolutely thank you for for being a part of our film
1: that movie looks like it's going to be such a great movie i mean Probably hard to watch, but powerful. How 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 long did it take you to film that? You were...
2: Well, I, I was just a, a talking head in it. And, um, y- you know, there there is a case here in Georgia that I was in, involved with. So I really wanted to be part of the film because it's an issue that hits very close to home. And especially, as I said, my experience with law enforcement now, I see both sides. So I think it's just a really important story needs to be told. That's great information. And you know what? Everybody wants to know what you think
1: about it. So everyone wants to know your opinion and your advice. And look at this. The mailbox doth runneth over. So. Hey, you got something on your mind? Are you a winner? make them miniature i mean is there some way some process they, <laughs> they physically miniaturize the dog or is it a puppy or what what the devil is going
2: on that's a really good question i've got my work cut out for me here next time you want to know something can
0: you repeat the question why don't you ask victoria she's the expert with this kind of stuff you know I just uh,
2: don't know my dog just ask
0: victoria
2: We have a great sponsor for this season. I'm very excited. Mm -hmm. Zooks. Mm. Have you ever used Zooks in training? Oh, um, I thought you meant personally. I'm like, I've not tried it. I don't eat
1: meat, but I'm sure my dogs love it. I
2: love it. I use it all the time for training treats because, all right, dogs delight in learning and Zooks provides the energy they need to fuel every training session. For 20 years, Zooks has created natural treats that energize and entice your dogs with wholesome, antioxidant rich ingredients. Zooks are as nutritious as they are delicious. Learn more at zooks.com. And I tell you, my dogs adore them. Mm, Okay. Mm -hmm. Talking about adoring
1: dogs, Mm -hmm. um, let's get to the mailbox here. Um, This one is from Jenny in California, and she says, Victoria... Comma, my wine marauder is out of control. And the reason why I say that is because at first I read it as Victoria, my, my wine marauder. I thought, oh, she named her dog after you. I don't Absolutely. know if yes, no. Uh But she says she's incredibly smart, but is not obedient and has high anxiety. I have to take the dog everywhere with me, but she's extremely aggressive. She's nipped people, and I'm worried she could become a serious threat. Help. What do I do? Our family loves her so much, and we fear we will have to put her down eventually.
2: I... You know, Waimaranas, they are a really feisty breed because yeah. they're a working dog, essentially, and they they need to be working. And I just think that if you're going to have a working breed like that, you've got to do what these dogs were bred to do. Mm-hmm. And I'm talking about you know, field trials. And I've worked with a lot of very nervous Weimaranas, um, have aggression issues. And just by giving them an outlet, Allowing them to do what they're originally bred to do Mm -hmm. really can help. So I would say this is my, this is my advice. Um, I would definitely call in a good positive trainer to Mm -hmm. help you in different situations, but I would love you to find a field training place somewhere. Make it a positive one. Mm -hmm. Field training dogs is not really a a positive field. Um, Gun dog training, Mm -hmm. and there's still a lot of ridiculous shot collars and things used just by lazy trainers. So find a positive one and teach your dog to go fetch birds they don't have mm-hmm. to be live birds you can use fake birds uh, you don't have to hunt um, but if you give your dog an outlet you find that a lot of these behavioral issues that dogs have suddenly they they become less mm-hmm. because now the dog's been given an outlet because there's a lot of stress and anxiety and aggression and biting and nipping and there's a lot of stress that you can relieve stress by doing that so I would say that's that's something that she could utilize.
1: And uh, if you want Jenny to find a trainer, just go to Positively.com slash trainers and you can find one. She says California. I don't know where she's in California, but there's going to be somebody – um, near you? Yeah,
2: we definitely have. We have a couple down in San Diego area and a couple in LA. So hopefully that's going to be near where you are. And I think about, um,
1: you know, just us. Think about like when you are stuck at home for a few days, whether, you know, it's bad weather and you can't get out or, you know, whatever it is, it, you have to be at home. You, you got kind of stir crazy yourself, right? Don't you kind of get a little antsy and you're just oh. and it just
2: all the time I'm the kind of person that I need to be doing 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 and so so if I'm stuck in the house all day or I'm by a computer and I'm working on the computer I get I get annoyed I get irritated moody Uh, I just want to be out same with dogs especially high drive high energy dogs like Weimaranas I know it's amazing and when she sits at the computer all the time you should see she she could bite
1: people too (laughs) it's really bad I can (laughs) Okay, how about um, this one from Luke in Virginia? I have a border collie that's exhibiting a fear of noises. She's okay with going and doing things, but I think an interaction with fireworks has brought this on. It was very small at first, but it's getting worse. How can I help her? That's very specific.
2: Very common problem, especially for border collies. They're highly sound sensitive. They need to do it to, to do their job as the herders. You know, that's why they're so good. But they are very sound sensitive and therefore if you have fireworks or loud noises such as thunderstorms, that can be a real issue for them. Mm. All right. So um, I have something called um, my noise phobia, canine Mm -hmm. noise phobia series. And it's where we start to habituate dogs that are fearful of noises to a certain noise that they don't like, but in a controlled way. And what is different about the canine noise phobia series, which I have done in conjunction with Through a Dog's Ear, is that we use psychoacoustic, or I should say bioacoustic music, with frequency modulation to calm a dog's nervous system.
1: Okay, so all that just (laughs) means is it's great music you'll like to listen to, too, and it'll calm the dog. No, what
2: it is, okay, I'm talking about frequency modulation... Um, You take the high pitches out of the music. So Mm -hmm. you have mid to low frequencies that immediately discharges the central nervous system in humans and in animals. Hmm. All right. And uh, you also have one single instrument. So the dog's not bombarded by too much noise. So for a while, you play this wonderful calming music to your dog and you do a very low energy activity, even if it's just sitting on the sofa together and having a petting session or a massage or the dog's chewing on a, a bone or a toy something that the dog really loves and you build up this wonderful association with the music and then when the dog hears the music and starts to relax when it hears the music then you go on to the next track and the next track has the music but with very faint noise of fireworks mm. or thunderstorms in the distance and then you you graduate to a bit louder and a bit louder until the end track is very loud firework noise And with the music still underneath. And then at times you just play the music again. Hmm. So you build up the dog's experience of listening to the noise. But it's okay. And what you're doing is you're changing a dog from actively listening to a noise to passively hearing it. And there's a difference between active listening and passive hearing. So at the moment, the people who are listening to this podcast are actively listening to me. But if you suddenly stop you'll be able to hear noises all around you. So if I stop talking, your your ear will suddenly hear noises all around you. You've been passively hearing them all the time, but they haven't bothered you. Mm. Do you see what I mean? Mm -hmm. Exactly. That's how we change the way that the dog hears a sound. And that could help with your border collie. And if you want to go, you can go to my store. Go to positivity.com forward slash store and you'll be able to see my... um, fireworks canine noise phobia series that specifically deals with fireworks i think that happens in marriage Does it? so
1: think about it Tell you first get it. married and your husband you're like honey and they're like yes can you do me a favor and get this off the shelf? okay and they're actively listening and then after about two years three years it takes three or four times and by like 10th year you're like honey and they don't like this don't even hear you at all nothing They've totally, like, so pat they're passive, yes. Nothing. That explains a lot. Okay. And my
2: husband says it's because he's going deaf. Yeah. I really don't think. I think it's because he just tunes me mm-hmm. out.
1: It's passive listening. Yeah. He was actively listening. Now he's passive. See, like, they're not that know. far from dogs when we say men are dogs. No, I'm kidding. Okay, so how about, uh, let's get from Gemma uh, from Nantwich in the UK. Oh, here we go again with that. Nantwich.
2: Nantwich. I Nantwich. think it
1: is. Nantwich. First of all, I love me. her name. I don't Jenna. know. I've been
2: away for so long. I don't know if it's. <gasps> but I think it's Nun Twitch. We're going with non-twitch. okay Twitch. Uh,
1: okay. She says she's recently bought a Dalmatian. It's a male. He's six months old and being neutered in a week. She's a nine month old baby as well. But when she walks him. I assume the dog, he constantly drags me down the street and across roads and I don't know how to stop him. Please help. So it sounds like she's trying to walk the dog and the baby and that can be dangerous for both.
2: That's why I always tell moms, before you have your baby, get a stroller. You can Mm -hmm. put a fake baby in the stroller or no baby at all and teach your dog how to walk with the stroller. Just do it. I mean, a few months before you give birth, just do it. Yeah. And um, all right, so... I don't think there's any better thing than training your dog to walk well on a leash. Mm -hmm. But if she needs help and she needs help right now, you can can try my positively no-pull harness. The difference between my harness and other harnesses is that my harness has a connection on the chest. So if you put just a regular harness on a dog, that's going to make them pull even more because that kind Mm -hmm. of pressure against the chest is really reinforcing. But when you actually attach the leash to the chest area which you can do on my harness um, and the dog pulls forward actually his body can't go any further and his body comes round so it's much oh. easier for the dog to to walk so i would suggest that uh, you go on com forward slash store and you'll be able to find my positive no pull harness there and uh, there it go. needs to fit like a glove mm-hmm. as well it needs to be not tight so it's cutting off any circulation we don't want that but i um, like a wristwatch mm-hmm. so and i think that the issue with people who put harnesses on their dogs is that oh my dog came out of the harness or um this isn't working well they n- haven't said that Too about nice. my harness but because i say Put it on really, you know, so that's really snug, so it doesn't come off the dog. There's not been one dog that's come out of my harness
1: like that, like a glove. Okay, and this is Megan in Oklahoma, and she says, My sister's nine-month-old Mastador puppy is peeing and chewing in her house when she's gone. My sister and her husband just bought a new home about a year ago, and they're not sure how to stop her from destroying their new home. They had chewing toys, and she also destroys the cat toys. My sister does not have the money for dog training, so any help you can provide would be appreciated. And I
2: kind of know that... Chewing yes. and
1: destroying thing.
2: Well, that's how we met, Holly. <laughs> that is
1: how we met. I was chewing and destroying my house. And, you
2: know. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah. Still a young dog, and you know dogs go through a second chewing phase at around that age, nine months, and it can last a long time. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's maybe the dog's a little anxious when they go out. Or maybe the dog's bored when they go out. But what you have to do is don't give that young dog the run of the house. You need to create a safe zone, a safe area. And I prefer like a utility room or the kitchen where they can't chew things and, um, rather than a crate. I don't like dogs being left in crates for too long. Create that kind of safe zone for your dog. And that means that your dog, A, won't, won't continue to chew whilst you're not there. So the habit will be broken. Um, and the more he rehearses the behavior, the more he'll do it. But also it keeps him safe. And that's what that, that's what would really worry me about this case, is that this dog then eats something that could cause the dog problems.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So create that safe zone, that safe area. Do not give your dog the run of the house when you are out So that it can get into trouble. Especially when it's so young like that. Yeah.
1: Okay, let's get to one last one here from Nikki in California. And she says, My six-year-old Spaniel has started acting strange when we come into the house from any length of break. She started breaking all eye contact and turning around in a tight circle repeatedly but very submissively. She refuses to make eye contact for about 20 seconds after... Um, she's been, she has been gun dog trained. So eye contact has never been an issue before and she always gives it at other times. She's never been hit or shouted at, is always really excited to see us usually. And she says, we have two bitches, both similar ages and other, and, and the other one behaves very normally. So it sounds like this one is doing something weird when she walks in, she's not making eye contact and she's turning around in a tight circle, maybe just giving her a rear or and not looking. How old is she? Six years old. It's She's a spaniel. She's
2: a, a spaniel. Interesting. Wow. Something has happened. I'm not saying that mm-hmm. you've hit or, or any trauma no. has happened to it. But something that you might not have perceived as being scary to the dog has scared the dog. Oh. Something has happened. And I think this submissive behavior, that's just an expression of it. This circling around is... Um, what sounds like to me, what we call a displacement behavior. So, you know, when you chew your nails mm-hmm. or um, you yawn or you, you itch yourself or you, you know, dogs will do that when they just feel uncomfortable.
1: But it's when, and it's interesting because it says when they come
2: into the house from any length of break. Yes. So they've been out, they've come into the house and um, that something happened at that time Mm. in the past that has caused this behavior even if it was she'd peed or she would pooped somewhere and they were like up you know they were angry something right that she now perceives as upsetting upsetting and frightening um and the circling as well you know you don't want that to become a habit now it could be her response to the other dog Mm. now if the other dog's there what's going on between those two So I would like, first of all, if I was working with them, I would do an experiment. I would take the other dog out of the picture, Mm -hmm. go stay with a friend for a day and go out for about an hour, then come back and see if the dog does it when she's just there by herself. And if she does, then I know it's not the other dog. So you're eliminating that issue. Okay. Then um, I would see, I would try with different people. Mm Mm-hmm. Does she do that just with the man? Does she do that just with the woman? Does she do that with me? Is she responding the same to everybody? Because then I can rule out that it's it's not a particular person. And then once I've ruled that out, then I'm going to give her something else to do. So I'm going to play her favorite game when I come through the door. Give her her favorite bone. Do something that will give her something else to do in that situation. There's no good in saying bad girl or Mm -hmm. you need to redirect that unhealthy behavior in a way. But it's her way of coping onto something more positive. So if she loves chasing a ball, for example, as soon as you come into the to the to the house, boom, you got a ball, throw it. So. Set something up in your car or a bag outside your house that you can pick up a ball or the favorite toy. They only get that when you come through the door. See what she does. I'm sure that her behavior after a while will change hmm. because now instead of that scary whatever happened coming through the door, now it's like <gasps> now it's she's exciting. here How exciting! Yes. This is great. Now I'm gonna have a game.
1: My work with people, too. I'm just saying. (laughs) But that's good information. I didn't even think of that. That's great. See? All right. And if you guys uh, have any questions, please send them in to us. Please do. Um, You can email us at podcasts, that's plural, at positively.com. Send us uh, questions. Or you can go to positively.com slash askvictoria, and we will gather them, and we will read them on our podcast. See? Just like riding a bike. We were gone for months and months and months and months, which seemed like eons and... It was like nothing. Now we're back. I love it. And usually, so I haven't seen you in forever, but usually we email, we text, and we send each other the funniest videos or websites or stories or whatever. And so thought it would be funny to end with a funny video. But this one, you have to see for yourself. So we were talking about the beginning, the Grand Tetons and the different animals. And there's one that I mentioned, the marmot. If you haven't seen a marmot, they're funny to look at anyway. But this woman is somewhere out in the mountains. It's beautiful. She sees a marmot and she videotapes it. And that's all I'm going to tell you. And you have to see this. So we will put it up um, on the podcast page. So go to Positively.com and then you'll see um, a little tab. It says Community. Pull it down and you'll see it'll say Positively Podcast. All our podcasts are there because I know you want to go back and listen to all five seasons again. Um, But go to episode 501 because it's our first one of the fifth season and we will put the marmot there. All I can say is, I want a marmot. you got to watch it.
2: Thanks for tuning in to Victoria Stilwell's Positively Podcast. For more information, visit Positively.com. Get connected on Facebook and YouTube as Victoria Stilwell, or follow her on Twitter, at Victoria S. Be sure to tune
0: in next time, as Victoria helps to change dogs' lives positively.